0: Hey Tumbleweed, welcome back to episode four. Today I got the pleasure to sit down with Darita Martinez, a forensic psychologist who is working with preventing adolescents from getting into the criminal justice system. She hails from Colorado. She is a sweetheart, heart of gold, very wise, very diligent, and has so much to share about how we think and actually how she goes about Keeping kids out of trouble that need some help doing so. I hope you like it. Let's get into it. Everybody, Darita Martinez.
1: Hello there again.
0: Hey, Darita. Am I saying your name right?
1: Yes, actually okay. you are. Good job.
0: Awesome. Thank you. Uh that's though <laughs> the, the West Texas has just enough uh Spanish going around to be able to get that right.
1: Yes, thank you. I appreciate that.
0: Cool. Well, if you're ready, let's go ahead and get going. All right. Um, Drita Martinez, I usually start every episode like this, and um, it kind of gives you this this chance, but let's say you're at a dinner party, and um, somebody you've never met before uh, introduces themselves and says, oh, okay, you know, what do you do? Uh, How would you typically answer that to a complete stranger?
1: Well, right at this particular moment, it's a little bit different because I'm starting a new job. It's actually a dream job. Um, where I'll be working with adolescents to help them and deter them from getting involved in the justice system. So that's what I will be doing as a systems facilitator. However, I used to be a case manager at the county jail here for a few months there, and I was helping the individuals in the jail do the same, deter them from crime. (laughs)
0: awesome and what you say here where is that
1: um i'm in colorado actually near colorado springs
0: okay cool so so you get into preventing uh adolescents from getting into the justice system that seems like a pretty broad uh brush to paint with uh what exactly what kind of function are you in is it um are you an estate service or do you work for the state? Do you work for a private company? How does this work?
1: This particular new company that I'm joining is actually a nonprofit organization that focuses in just that. What you said is prevention. Um, And it is a community collaboration that brings together a bunch of service providers to help in prevention. So there's a lot of different programs involved in it.
0: Okay. So you're like Mm -hmm. a hub of resources to keep these kids out of trouble.
1: Right. Exactly.
0: Cool. So how how did you get into that? Where did this all start for you?
1: Well, that's a long story.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, good. That's what we're here for.
1: Yeah. Well, in a nutshell, I'll give you a little bit of background on me and where I come from. So I actually grew up in Juarez, Chihuahua, which is or it used to be at the time when I was growing up there, the most dangerous city in the world. With, of course, a lot of crime in the area, a lot of drugs. I grew up with a little um, mechanic-type shop that had all these young-looking, you know, teens that would come in in kind of raggedy clothes. And they would um, eventually, over time, have all these nice chains and drive you know fancier cars etc etc and of course in our area it was known that these teens were the the thieves right in the neighborhood and so anybody who got anything stolen we knew it was them they ran the streets and stuff like that And so coming from that environment and then moving to El Paso, Texas, where at the time when I was growing up there, it was the safest city in the United States. So complete polar opposites, right? You can imagine. And um, the school system was different. People were different. You know, the environment was all completely different. Um. And when I grew older and I wanted to go into school, into college, I wanted to do something to help the individuals that are growing up with the negative influence to have more positive influence in their lives. So I chose, you know, to study psychology. So I have a bachelor's in psychology and a master's now that I just finished last year. Yay! And that is in forensic psychology.
0: Wow! So congratulations on that.
1: Thank you. Great job. Thank you, thank you. It's been that can't
0: be easy. I bet
1: it. It wasn't that easy. There's a lot of research background involved in going to school for that, Um, which is fun actually. But then I got the privilege to work at the jail and actually apply that, which was also very fun. Um, but to tie it all together, that is one of the things that I've always wanted to contribute to society is to help people and influence them to have a pro-social life.
0: Okay, pro-social life as opposed to uh, like anti-social behavior such as crime, I guess is what we're, we're getting at.
1: That is exactly right.
0: Okay, so I would imagine that most people uh, don't need to be convinced to have a pro-social life, Um, and so you're working with people that do need to be convinced. Uh, So where do you find uh, these adolescents that you're working with now? um, Where does your organization find them? Uh, How do you get in touch with them? Is it Uh, maybe in the school system? And how do you predict or seek out kids who lean towards antisocial behavior?
1: That's a good question. And it comes with a few answers. Um, There are some assessments that the school systems generally make on the students. And from there, based on the results that we get, we are alerted to all the adversities that they may have. And we know based on the science and the research that these individuals that have higher amounts of adversities in their lives, sort of like low socioeconomic status and um, things like um, one parent in the household or a lot of siblings Um, Different things like that are what we call adversities, right, or any traumatic events that we may know of in their lives. And then from there, they seek out services for these students. That way we can help kind of um, fill in those gaps that they may have so that we have a better influence on them. Right. So those are Mm. in the school system. Um, And that's a pretty standard procedure, both in Colorado and in Texas. Um, And then also another way where we get um, referrals is from the court system. So if they commit, you know, misdemeanors or petty crimes, then we get a referral from the court saying, hey, this individual, you know, has come to court for this reason can you help fill in those gaps that they may have may have to divert them from the justice system so that they never get you know put into juvenile um jail or what have you
0: right Mm -hmm. so how does somebody start the conversation with a kid that Um, hasn't committed a crime yet, is it a counselor, like a school counselor, or who approaches this kid and says, hey, uh, you know, you're on the list of people we think might be in trouble someday. How do you start that? That seems kind of like a tricky position.
1: And it is, I think. Um, I've never been on that side of the job, to be quite honest with you. However, I know that most of the time, um, the counselors in the school system are involved right? And they tend to observe a lot first, right? So they want to look at Hmm. how is the kiddo doing with their grades? What kinds of behaviors do they have? Um, Do the teachers have any, um, you know, things to report about how they are in school and or any engagement or interaction that they may have with the parents, right? So the the teachers would kind of trigger all of that Um, And then generally, from my understanding, is they pull them into counseling at school and just kind of dig deeper and then go from there, depending on how involved the parent may or may not be.
0: Nice, nice. So, okay. so if there are parents involved, then they'll bring them into and say, we need to start some proactive measures. They'll, I guess, include as many as they can.
1: Right. And every school system is different, right? And the way that they handle that and how much, um, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Not funding, but, you know, how much, how many resources they may have either in the community and or in the school system to provide to these kids. Some areas have more resources than others.
0: Right. So... Okay. So I feel like a lot of people would leave a city like Juarez Mm -hmm. and with the opportunity to be in America, they might fall into this thought that, you know what, I'm just going to get as far away from that as I can. (laughs) And I'm going to start my own thing and I'm going to go, you know, follow my dreams. But it seems like your dreams have been to kind of fly close to the sun (laughs) and go kind of go back a little bit. Um, What in you is driving you to uh, revisit the troubles of Juarez and try to do something else? What What's in you that is driving you to do this?
1: Well, again, those questions are amazing. Good job on that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Thanks.
1: Uh, kind of they're, you. They're very deep and also not as easy to answer, um, but
0: yeah.
1: I'll try. So in my life, I've been very blessed to have the positive influence that I had, not only with my family, um, but also friends and individuals that I meet that have, you know, encouraged me over and over and over to, you know, to give back and to have um, this vision of I guess I could say happiness, right? And of course, myself, I am a believer. I believe in Jesus Christ dying for our sins. Amen. And that has been a very big driving force as well in, you know, not judging others and in helping the needy instead of loving those that are easy to love,
0: yeah great- great point. I mean uh yeah Jesus says, if we love those who love us, then what more are we doing than uh, the gentiles? You know like what everyone does that uh, no one has trouble loving the people who love right. us, uh, so yeah, hundred percent echo that so so far in your career, have you seen have you been able to see the fruits of your labor? have you um, met any of these uh people you've you've worked with or that you've touched that have diverted and actually gone to a successful or positive route?
1: I have done a lot of case management and, um, that involves, you know, um, referrals and resources to individuals that need them. And I've worked for several different companies, um, not necessarily with youth yet, but now Mm -hmm. given that in the, in the time that I've served as case manager, I, I have seen or and I have been told by many of my um, clients, if you want to call them that, um, of the people that I meet. Um, they have told me that I have been very helpful in their understanding of their own needs. And because of that, they've been able to simplify the process that they needed to simplify to get whatever they needed to get done. Nice. Yeah. So in,
0: kind of the first stepping stone on their journey. Exactly.
1: And I've been told it, here at the jail recently, you know, a lot of the inmates expressed, if not most of them, and we had a really high percentage of them in our program. Um, but they would talk about how lucky they felt to have the opportunity to be a part of a program like that with so with genuine individuals, mm. and how that felt really good to them in their process of, you know, their life.
0: So yes, do you? Ha- uh, I can't help but ask. Do you have a family? I do. Yourself? Of
1: course, I. I, I don't mind well. talking about them. I am a mother. Okay. Um, my husband is a paramedic. My. Ooh. My. Um kiddos I have two boys I have one that's 14 and one is seven about to be eight
0: nice so how is uh how has everything you've gone through especially like seeing what happened in Juarez how has that changed or made made you different in your family life than people around you
1: in my family life well I think I'm a lot more intentional in how i position you know that what we do what we prioritize in our life Um, i think a lot of people go with the flow or with whatever style is in nowadays or what have you and i always you know um, prioritize love in our family like no matter how much money we have no matter Um, what stressful circumstances we may be going through, it's important to remember how much we love each other and that we nurture that love.
0: Yeah. I love what you said about, um, you know, not just going with the flow of culture. My, my parents used to always say we live uh, in 1% of the world, meaning we watch 1% of the movies, the world watches and we listen to 1% of the music that the world listens to. And, um, we entertain one percent of the thoughts because we're not um, here to consume Hollywood. We're not here to consume uh, uh, the pop music industry. We're here to follow Jesus and serve Him. And so, you know, it always anytime we, they would say, "No, we're not going to watch that movie," uh, even though it's popular, uh, we're we're going to refrain from that. I love that you said that because I think a lot of people these days call that you know being sheltered or you know, withholding things from your kids. But I think it's, a, I think it's a really valuable uh, habit to get into to say, you know, we're not just going to go with the flow just because everyone else is. And, uh, that's, that's huge. I, I really think, um, it encourages me to hear that you are instilling that into your home because every time I hear of somebody really intentionally growing their home and paying attention to their children and their, their spouse, like that's so encouraging to me Is that's something I strive for every day in my life. And, uh, that that really, I would encourage you to keep doing that and not lose heart, no matter how. Um, if anyone ever persecutes you for that, you know that that is a
1: beautiful. Yes. So thank you, yeah. thank you. I appreciate that. I know it's hard to go against the current. A lot of times it feels like we are, in that sense, but again, mm. coming back to the essence of who we are as humans you know, to love is the most important, you know, knowledge that we can have and experience that we can have.
0: Yeah. So I'm curious, um, as far as forensic psychology Mm -hmm. goes, um, how, why did you get your master's in that? I mean, I, I understand, um, psychology in general but then to go into the forensic aspect maybe first first of all define forensic psychology and then we'll kind of go into um you know why you did that in particular and then how you use it i guess
1: okay so forensic psychology is the marriage of law and psychology so a lot of people envision forensic psychology to be csi and like evidence to crime, et cetera, et cetera, or even like um, what is it called when cops go in and um, come up with um, like the personality aspect of a of a criminal and stuff like that, profile, criminal profiling.
0: Profile. I think yeah. of the
1: term for it. But a lot of people envision that, right <laughs> criminal profiling. That's what you know forensic psychology means but it's not the case the marriage right <laughs> the law in psychology is a broad term for applying legal knowledge to psychology in the courtroom and in the criminal justice system Right. So that involves a lot of things, not just profiling in police, um, but also things like assessments of um, criminals when they come into the uh, jail. For example, we assess through a lot of scientific instruments um, what level of risk they may have in the community to recommit other crimes. Right. And we also assess their uh, mental health conditions, um, addiction, stuff like that. And then we also help to inform cases on the background and adversities of the individual involved.
0: Mm. So does this also play into like culpability? Um,
1: Right. Insanity and all of that. Now, I do not have a doctorate degree in forensic psychology, which you need to actually practice it in the jail system. But part of my intention was to form and build an adolescent prevention center where I would apply all of this knowledge to help prevent adolescents from even getting there. Right.
0: Right. Yeah, of course. And so are you still on your way to that? You're starting your own thing. Is that something you're still dreaming of?
1: Yes, I'm actually applying some steps to it. I'm taking some business classes and stuff like that. Awesome. Networking.
0: Mm. Yeah, that's not easy sometimes, uh, especially in that world, I think. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so um, I think with everyone who wants to start their own thing, there's something out there that they say, I could fill this void that's not being done. So what is it that you think is missing or could be done better that you, you think, you know, I should set out and do this because uh, I have something to add. So what is it that's, that really needs to be done um, that that you think you would bring?
1: Well, there's a lot of barriers, right. To a lot of the um, resources and most of the time they're nonprofit resources that are out there for um, deterring you know, antisocial behavior. Mm. Now, most of these agencies are doing a great job for the individuals that they can help, right? But who says that somebody who has all of these adversities is like somebody that has to have issues gr- growing up and or in the future. That is not true 100% of the time. And vice versa, if you have somebody that has no adversities and has such a wonderful life and loving parents, et cetera, et cetera, they can just as well fall into addictions and or criminal behavior of any sort based on the influence that they have outside of what they grew up with, right? Outside of their main um, influences. hmm And so that's part of the gap that I would like to fill is by providing services to adolescents just in general and having them guide the services as opposed to me. I think a lot of times we forget when it comes to adolescents that they are actually very good at reasoning And very good at judgment. And a lot of times, especially as parents, we want to continue to treat them like kids. And give them orders and tell them what to do and how to do things, etc. etc. Instead of allowing them to become who they are meant to become.
0: That's, That's incredible insight. I really think. I agree with especially giving them credit for their ability to reason and even um, self-elect what kind of help they need,
1: mm-hmm. you know, because,
0: you know, if I tell you, hey, I really need somebody to talk to me about uh, depression and you're like, well, but you re- you just have a lot of angry outbursts. You need to talk to somebody about anger, mm-hmm. then <laughs> you you might be totally missing the mark. So I, that's a great idea. And, you know, I'm I'm encouraged and I, I'm excited to see where you go with it.
1: Yeah, uh, I'd love to come back and tell you all about it once I get there.
0: Do it, absolutely, and keep me posted on the way. And also, um, have you seen any other uh, organizations do what you're describing so far?
1: I have seen parts of what what I'm envisioning. Now, this is a developing vision. There's been a lot of different um, motivators along the way to get something like this done. And it comes from really a lot of the gaps that I've experienced while providing services to others, right? So part of my job as a case manager has been to look at all of these different services that are out there for people. One of the things that I really um, talked to people about when they were in need of something and the um, referral or resource wasn't there I would encourage people to reach out to their community, whether that was to their local churches or other community groups out there, you know, helping with social impact, to reach out and tell them about what they're experiencing and what they're in need of. And most of the time you will find that people are willing to help and to, you know, put, put in some time and even resources to help others that are willing to be vulnerable and ask for it
0: yeah I think that's a big skill that's um, I don't even know if you'd call it a skill (laughs) it just seems like it's something that's that's frowned upon these days just asking for help and it's been uh, you know there's so much self-care talk and self-image talk and uh, we talk so much about ourselves I think these Mm -hmm. days and self-esteem that we forget uh, sometimes you simply just need to uh, mention to someone else that you need some help and, and they'll take the baton for you. And if you're, if you're tired and weary and need some help, just say so. And, uh, just as a, as a herd being, like we've been created to be mm-hmm. people jump in, jump on it. Right. So yeah, that's, that's a great idea. And, um, I would, man, I wish you were in Texas. Cause I'd like to come over and help you. <laughs> I actually
1: uh, have family in your area.
0: <laughs> really? Yeah. Well, send them my way, we'll cook dinner sometime and hang out. Uh-huh. But uh <laughs> Yeah. Uh so Doritza, is there uh is there other than doing work with adolescents right now mm-hmm. and seeking out that crime prevention, what else do you find fulfilling?
1: Um, like my personal life type of thing. Or? Sure,
0: sure. I can't be the only thing to you. <laughs> I'm sure of it. I mean, you talked you talked really highly of your children and got really. I, yeah, I heard you light up whenever I brought them up. Yes. Um, what else do you have going on that um, that really fires you up about uh, just anything in general?
1: Well, I myself, um, you know, I've I'm in the field of psychology, so of course I've you know learned a lot about myself along the way. Um, one of those things has been that. Um, a lot of people talk about personality, right, and how it tends to be pretty solid and it doesn't uh, change much. And so because of that, um, a lot of people can't be helped and or a lot of people can't change, etc., cetera, et cetera. That's what they say. But that's not necessarily true. As far as my personality myself, one of the things that I found out, for example, is that I am pretty much in the middle of being introverted and extroverted, which was super shocking to me because I tend to seek out conversations with people, but I don't like to seek out conversations with a lot of people at once. I want to focus on one. And so that kind of explained that aspect of it. Um, But because of that, I've learned in my life that I need to maintain those relationships um, in my lifestyle, right, to get a little bit of both worlds, to be alone and think and process things, but also to be involved in my community, and so that really got me out of that shell of, you know, being scared of hanging out with people I didn't know, and or what could happen to me, et cetera, et cetera. So now we we do a lot of community work. <laughs> so I'm involved with several community organizations. Um, one of them provides, it's a recovery group. It's called Base Camp Recovery here in the Springs. And um, we kind of just get together and we are a community of people. And some of them have, you know, been addicts of some sort and they come for um, some um, time with others that know what they're going through and you know we just kind of have dinner and talk <laughs> so those wow. those kinds of things are fun to me to really come together with others um, again with a good intention
0: that's well that's so wonderful I so the the thing you said about people feeling stuck in their personality or um, feeling like it kind of dooms them mm-hmm. to that category. Mm-hmm. Uh, I recently kind of had a similar breakthrough because uh, I've considered myself, I've always considered myself an introvert, mm-hmm. but I am super extroverted. <laughs> and uh, you know, when I found that out, I was like, you know what? That makes so much mm-hmm. sense because uh, I love visiting with people and, you know, pot here I am on a podcast, <laughs> just literally asking people to come talk to me about whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, so one of the things that I found really helpful was when I looked at my personality, it tells you um, the things that are easier for you to do and the things that are harder for you Mm -hmm. to do. So, you know, if you're an introvert, it's easier to be one-on-one or alone, but you can go out and be with more than one person at a time. It's just harder for you. And that's something you have to try at and practice. Uh And so you, you can be a well-rounded individual And uh, just one's going to be easier for you than the other. And so one of the things I've had to work on is saying no. (laughs) Just how do I um, say no to things or um, refuse certain things Mm -hmm. and not allow certain behaviors around my life? And so, you know, it's so hard for me to tell somebody just no, uh, you know, that's not going to work or whatever it is. And uh, but it doesn't mean I can't do it just because I'm an agreeable person doesn't mean. Oh crap! I'm just gonna get sucked into everything somebody asked me to do. I have to be agreeable, you know. And so I really like the way that you said mm-hmm. that. That just because just because it's your personality doesn't mean the other side of the world is impossible for you, right? And uh, I'm I'm really excited for you to get into being in your community and having a little bit more uh, toes in the waters of the other side of the uh, introvert extrovert spectrum. <laughs> so. That'll be good for you, I think, and good for me too.
1: Yeah, I have a really good mentor. His name is Stephen Cook. He actually has a blog called Thinking on Scripture. Um, But he says all the time, just like drills it in you cannot live what you do not know. That's true. That's true of Scripture, but that's also true of life, right? One of the things that we need in general is to understand ourselves. Not only our personalities, our health, our likes and dislikes, et cetera, et cetera, but also understand where we come from and how that shaped us, right? And and apply that to how we choose to live, right? Because in all honesty, we choose our jobs, we choose our lifestyle, Right? If we want something different, then we can find it. But we have to be willing to know what we do not know.
0: Yeah. And man, there's so much, so much meat to what you just said. (laughs) Um, His name's Stephen Cook, you said? Yeah,
1: I would encourage you to look him up. He's in Texas as well.
0: Oh, good. Uh, Another one for the good guys. (laughs) Um, So, I like that uh we the the knowledge based um, practicality of how you're living your life, and um have you heard of Jordan Peterson? I'm sure you yeah
1: have, actually um, being
0: in your field uh-huh. yeah, so one of his talks uh he says that part of part of the reason that learning something new for many people is hard is not because they're incapable or less capable. Mm-hmm. It's because in order to learn something new, especially with a new perspective, part of you has to die Mm -hmm. in a sense. Mm -hmm. You have to let go of a previous knowledge or you have to admit that you had no knowledge Mm -hmm. in that area and humble yourself and accept something new. And that just for so many people that is against everything they've been taught. And uh, I think you're so right. Like if if you don't know something, you can't Mm -hmm. live it. But you can't start knowing new things until you're willing to humble yourself and put yourself before that new, that new topic or or knowledge. So yeah, that that's really cool. And mm-hmm. um, I'll, I'll recommend a book to you because I read it. This, I started reading it um, more frequently, but I'm almost done with it. It's called The Mind and the Brain. Okay. By Jeffrey Sh- Jeffrey Schultz. Have you heard of him?
1: It sounds familiar, actually, Jeffrey Schultz.
0: He's a. I would call him a a giant of the psychology industry um, or maybe, maybe psychiatry more specifically. I don't know. There's so many different ones, but um, he, he developed mindfulness training to, to cure OCD. Mm -hmm. So he he was the one, he was the first person to stray from uh, pharmaceuticals as a cure for OCD. Mm -hmm. And um, you know, he, he is, uh, he wrote the book, the mind and the brain. And he, he kind of splits up and breaks down scientifically the difference between your actual gray matter brain and the thing that's thinking and pumping inside your head, you know, and, um, it is, it is a beautiful book. And even though it reads very scientifically, the practical and real life application is absolutely beautiful. And one of the things I think, uh, I've taken from it recently is that the the suggestions you make to yourself every day have a massive impact on how your world turns out. And, um, He talks about a gentleman that had to lock his front door 11 times before he could go to bed Mm -hmm. at night. So this man, he would lock his front door, he would walk halfway down the hall, he would go back, and he had to do it. And the treatment that he said was, over time, he had to tell himself, I can lock this door in 10 tries. I can do that. I don't have to do it in 11. I am capable to do it in Mm -hmm. 10. And he would just repeat this over and over and over and over all day. And over time, as he talked himself down, he was able to convince himself that he could lock it once and go to bed. And um, after an fMRI scan, uh, his brain actually completely physically changed neurologically from an OCD brain to a normal brain, a healthy one. And um, the suggestion, just I can lock this door once and do it. That's the only treatment he did was just tell himself he could do right. it, right? And uh, it it healed him. And so I think a lot of the things that we have, uh, like you were saying, just uh, comes down to whether or not we are going to tell ourselves those things. But I would recommend that book to you because it seems right up your oh, alley. Oh, sh- for
1: sure, and check that's, it
0: out. Oh yeah, you will love it. It's it's going to be at your level too, I think. So, um, but oh, Darita, thank you so much for your time, and I'm really really glad to have met you. Um, today really we met today and uh, here we are talking Um, it seems like we need to
1: talk some more so anytime just reach out
0: (laughs) it does it does feel like that and in fact I I had a every interview I think every time I meet somebody I'm like you know we need to hang out (laughs) and so uh yeah I'm, I'm so glad to have had you and um is there is there anything um as far as Podcasting goes, or as far as this podcast goes, I, how do you feel about it? Is this is this feeling I good? I love
1: it. I actually, I I no? thought that it would be something good in my life. You know, I felt a calling for it as well, and I just need to follow through with it. And you know, any experience is good.
0: <laughs> yeah, this is this is a great. Every time I get done with a podcast, I have a huge smile <laughs> on my face, and I can't wait to share it. So. <laughs> Uh You've been a huge blessing to me, and I really appreciated uh, your story and sharing what you do with me. And I'll, I'm looking forward to learning from you in the future. Well,
1: keep in touch. Um,
0: yeah, let's do it, and we can talk more about uh, podcasting and and the ins and outs of it afterward, for sure. I so, wanted um, to recommend a, he...
1: a book to you as well, actually. Oh, back at yeah, okay. it's called "The Body Keeps the Score." Oh.
0: Um, uh I'm on it. I read it. Oh, I yeah. love it. <laughs> Beautiful book. Yeah, I used to read it um I used to listen to it on audiobook while I mowed the yeah. lawn. That was my uh, that was my go-to. I love that that's, book. What else you got? I'll I'll take another one. That's one, one
1: of those like super good summary of science-based, you know, um books.
0: You're there? I think you muted yourself. You, oh, no, there you weird. are. That's weird.
1: I guess if I switch to another app, it won't let me talk to you. It's called oh, The no. Influential Mind.
0: The Influential mm-hmm. Mind. Okay. I think
1: her last name is T- Talat or something like that. It's a blue book.
0: Okay. I love I always tell people, Oh, it's yellow and red. I'm <laughs>
1: not the only one.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Go read this. It's it's the yellow and red one. Pick that one. <laughs> That's funny. The influential mind. Okay, I'll check that one out for sure. And um I really appreciate the recommendation. Always interested in that stuff. Cool. Yeah, so let's connect after this. And I'm I'm so glad to have had you. Thank you so much for being Thank
1: with you me. for having me. I appreciate it. <laughs> you have a you yes, have ma'am. a blessed day. You do the same. Bye-bye. Bye
0: bye. All right, episode's over. If you made it all the way to the end, then it looks like you are a fan of what uh, Daritza and I had to say. So, if you want more or you want to hear my reflections on this episode, go to tumbleweedinspections.com, go find the blog tab, and read my reflections about each podcast episode that I've done so far. Um, I go into a little bit more detail about how I feel and what I'm thinking after the episode. Go check that out, and make sure to follow the podcast on Spotify, and I will see you in the next episode.